Welcome to the Together for Change podcast series. I'm your host, Marvin O'Kell. As of June 2020, following the untimely death of George Floyd, I've taken on the role of diversity and inclusion officer for the Halifax Wanderers. Since that time, I've hosted a number of Zoom calls with Wanderers fans, members, partners, and others in our community. As of 2021, we have started the podcast as a means of continuing the conversation in a safe space. My aim is that by having these tough and sometimes awkward conversations, we can begin to break down barriers and strengthen a culture of diversity and inclusion. Today, my guest is Kenzie Lalonde. Kenzie works as a broadcaster and a host for local company Eastland Television. Kenzie has recently made national news by becoming the first woman to call a televised league game in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Thanks for joining me today, Kenzie, and congratulations. Marvin, thanks, man. What an intro. I appreciate so much what you guys are doing. I think this podcast is going to bring a, a lot of people together. So thanks for having me on. I'm honored. <laughs> No worries. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us, I, especially so so soon after making this this news. It was crazy. Like it still kind of feels like a fantasy day. It, you know, I mean, it doesn't help the amount of beer I consumed later that night. But the day <laughs> itself, that morning, was so fun. Uh, it's crazy that the you know the moment itself is what makes it so big, and it's just crazy to think that I was the one incorporated in that that big movement. And you know, like I said, that was just day one. So since that day, I've done four other games and two more this week. So we ain't slowing down. Definitely, definitely. Start as you mean to go on, right? And I mean, how was how was it even uh, the first like what was the result of that game? The game was at 4 p.m. It was a good and like it was a good game. I mean, the first period was pretty quiet, but the whole most hilarious thing happened right when I was commenting on how quiet the game was, the moose had scored. So it's like a really funny first call for me and like a memory I'll for sure remember. Marcus Vidacek's goal was really, really nice. But right before he scored, I was saying how, yeah, this moment's pretty crazy. It'd be awesome if we get a goal. And then he scored. <laughs> and the Mooseheads pretty much like opened their scoring. They scored four right away. And then Charlottetown came back and got six unanswered goals. So for my first game, you know, to call 10 goals, that's pretty great. So yeah. the game itself was super fun. My team, like Eastlink, everyone was there, was so supportive. So were the Mooseheads and the Charlottetown organization. They were, you know, everyone was just telling me good luck and you're going to kill it. So I appreciated all of that because the nerves were definitely at an all time high. But as soon as that red light went on, I kind of felt felt into my groove and felt comfortable. And then it was all just kind of like a blur. You're, you know, they say to live in the moment. That's so the best thing you can do when you're doing a play-by-play for a game. And I tried my best to do that. So that's incredible. Now I wish I would have been able to be there, but uh, those Moosehead games are hard to come by. They are, and uh, everyone it was quite cute. Everyone like cheered because they made an announcement that I was um, calling the game. So. It didn't look like a lot of people, but everyone's voices were booming. So I was really appreciative of that. They're, yeah, it's great to see, like, you know, the Quebec Major Junior League has done a really good job to make sure that the league has been able to play this year. It's the only Major Junior League that's successfully had a season. So, you know, my hat goes out to those organizers. And like you said, those Moosehead <laughs> games are hard to go as a fan. And these guys are always on the road. Their schedules are very intense right now. They've been just playing each other. Cape Breton, Halifax, and Charlottetown have been playing each other. I think they're up to 16 or 17 times now. So imagine that, Marvin. Imagine playing a team 17 times. Oh, man. We'd have such a, like, beef by then. Like, lack of a better And that's way. what's <laughs> happening. The animosity is at an all-time high. So they're chippy games. And, you know, you can't put it past them because you're lining up against the same guy every night. 
you know? Yeah. As somebody who honestly, like, I, I, I can be down to get chippy sometimes. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to get low over the board or say anything, you know, belligerent, but like, I'll, I'll, I've been known to have a chip or two. <laughs> me as well. Me as well. So they're doing it. Uh, they're doing a really good job. And, you know, we're hopeful that the Atlantic bubble will open up here, hopefully at the end of April. So that will allow Moncton, Acadie Bathurst, St. John's to come over. So fingers crossed. But as for now, these guys will continue to see each other a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now we're excited to be getting back for the Wanderers as well. We're getting a lot of good news. And, uh, you know, right now we're, we're looking at a good situation where most of our, uh, or at least our season ticket holders will be able to get back to the stadium this year and hopefully we work our way back slowly to, to 100% as we continue to, you know, stay the blazes home and uh, <laughs> do all the right things we need to do to be to be back uh, sooner rather than later. So we still have some short-term sacrifices to make for, for the long-term gain, obviously, for everybody, but it's it's important that we uh, we don't lose sight of the, the end now. Yeah, and those Wanderers games, we were talking about it earlier. I went to one, not last summer, the summer before. Best time ever. They're so fun. <laughs> it's such good soccer. And so to, to hear that, you know, the season's looking good and we'll get some fans out there, that's so exciting. Because, you know, I think that's a great addition for the city of Halifax. We're so lucky in Nova Scotia to be playing sports. So I'm excited. Thanks for dropping that news today for me. <laughs> no worries. No worries. No, we're, we're really excited. Um it's, you know, the other, cause the other part of my job is the ticket, uh, ticket sales, uh, manager slash like manager member services. So I get to have all those fun ticketing things to figure out. And, but you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because it, a lot of this stuff has never been done before. Right. So being the kind of the ones to set the standard in Halifax, we're kind of, you know, going to be the first, I think really to return in the league and across the country in a lot of ways, we might even be the first outdoor venue back depending on when it all plays out. So Here's the ultimate question, though. How will the kitchen party look moving forward? The kitchen will always be rocking, you know, and <laughs> that's that's part of the planning. You know, we have to be able to make sure that, you know, we can safely party and make sure we're able to, you know, celebrate those goals and those wins with our with our team and uh, and our fans as well. So that's those are the fun problems to have to figure out. <laughs> well put. <laughs> so, I mean, let's get how did you start with these things, by the way, Kenzie? Yeah, so I've been with them for almost two and two and a half years now, and it all started um, when I was at, at Allison University. I volunteered with Eastlink. I did one um, soccer, one basketball story with them in my fifth year. I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree at Mount A, and I thought maybe I'd want to do like sports media or like sports marketing, but like my little kid dream was to always be in front of the camera. I didn't think in a million years I would actually gravitate towards that logistically and like pick yeah. up a camera so I pretty much like the second I could walk my dad had me in skates there was no option I was gonna be a hockey player that was ingrained in me you know I don't know life without hockey I don't know life without sports so I grew up in Ottawa and started playing the second I could walk and then grew up playing competitive hockey my whole life for the most part and what's great about the Ottawa area is their women's program and their local minor hockey associations are so well developed that I could jump into girls hockey right away and be well, you know, and get great coaching and be developed and the resources were there. So very yeah. grateful for that upbringing. And then not the first time great- I've heard that, actually, because there was one of uh, our staff who worked in one of our stores um, when we first in the mall, actually, named Catherine Gwebin, she's from Ottawa. And I remember her talking to me about the Ottawa Fury ladies program that they had there. And she was a part of that. 
and how many resources they had and how, you know, it was very almost equal playing field with the guys. So it's great. Yeah. To hear. I had a few friends that played on the fury that their association was awesome. I forget what the, you either played for fury. Yeah. The fury program feels right. like ages ago, you know, it's a very active city. A lot of kids get into sports quite young and I benefited from the well-developed women's programs. And then I got to play junior, which is the highest level for women's hockey in Ontario. So I played for the Ottawa women senators. No so way. that was pretty fun. Got to put on the Sens jersey. And uh, <laughs> What position did you play? Forward. I was a left winger, but sometimes I take the draw. <laughs> nice. so a little bit of both. Very versatile. <laughs> I'd actually, when I went to Mount Allison, I then played hockey there as well. And in my like, second year third year my coach pulls me in and he's like so uh Beth DeVoe got into med school she's a defenseman like was a last minute uh acceptance so she dipped and went back to do medicine and he mm -hmm. said we have a vacancy on for a top four defender like we were considering putting you there would you want the spot <laughs> and I was at this point like a third line forward so I'm like yeah like whatever's gonna get me more ice time man so no way I, I ended up doing like half a season as a defender and it's funny. Like I will say, you know, all positions are different. So you fall yeah. in love with the sport as maybe as a goalie, as a forward. So when you switch positions, it's a whole other universe. So as I'm playing D I'm like, mm, nah, this like I, I can, I'll do it. But like, I, yeah. I certainly lost the passion the for the games. So went back to forward for the rest of my career at Mount A. <laughs> <laughs> What's like a, if you could have a humble brag moment, what, what was like a highlight in your either junior A career or Mount A career, a really good goal you scored, game winner, like something like the crowd pumping? Yeah, I mean, I think being awarded most valuable player in my third year was a huge honor because I had just finished being a defender. So I, I was scoring a lot of goals as a defender. It was a really weird year, but I was, I was really honored. Yeah, yeah, I could crank one out on the point. So <laughs> our power play was geared around like my slap shot. It was the strangest thing, but teams eventually <laughs> caught on, and then we had to adjust Change it. it but, a little bit. That's pretty awesome. So when a whole system is developed around your your skill set, around your strength, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. All those years of shooting pucks in my garage finally paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad somewhere is clapping and uh, <laughs> cheersing himself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was, it was so fun. My five years at Mount A were the best, best times of my life. And that's how I got into Eastlink. So it was such a, you know, I cherish those memories forever. I haven't been back in a while. So I'd love to, you know, that Atlantic bubble gets a little more easily, you know, traveled. I'd like to <laughs> hop back in. Definitely. Definitely. Now we're all, we're all excited to get, as they say, back to normal as much as possible. Though for me, there's some things that I actually hope stay intact, like, you know, like the distancing thing. Well, maybe we don't need to be six feet apart, but like at grocery stores and stuff, I, I like people now being a bit more separated and things like that. Like there's some things that can stay even after <laughs> it's all over. What I will say that I'm finding socially as a challenge is not shaking someone's hand when you first meet them. Yeah, That's been strange. hard for me. It's strange. And like, I'm a hugger too. Like, so like, <laughs> that's, that's really like with family and like my friends and like even close coworkers, like I'm a hugger. So that's been really tough to just been like, no, like we can't do it. Like fist bump. like. <laughs> yeah. Or if you do it, you're like, okay, we have to hide it. Like, it's just the weirdest sign to try and show affection. <laughs> Definitely. 
who are some of your role models growing up? Yeah, I've like been asked this question a few times and it's funny, like it wasn't until I really reflect on it when there really on a day-to-day basis weren't any because there were no female sports that's that's kind of why I hockey asked. players yeah like there's you know certainly aren't professional hockey players and the olympics would come around every four years so you know Haley wickenheiser would come out of hiding and then yeah. you'd fall in love with her and then everyone would go back into hiding so you're like who were those incredible people <laughs> like yeah, yeah. so growing up you know my people who i look up to were like my ottawa senators in the hockey world but as i got older and as i started to look around and see more women I admired, it, I kind of found it to be integrated into my hockey summer camps. Like my instructors were the girls that I looked up to and I thought they were so cool and like learning where they played college hockey. That's where I really started to gravitate towards any sort of admirable post-secondary life or maybe try to, you know, try and figure out what I'd want to do. So mm-hmm. hockey camps was where I kind of saw some role models. And then kind of going back to when I was a kid and watching TV and thinking it'd be cool to work in media that goes back to seeing the ladies on the anchor at TSN like Holly Horton and seeing that it could be possible to work in sports media but again that was just someone sitting at a desk and so you didn't have a voice behind a game you didn't have female content creators you know you didn't um, have GMs or anything in that capacity at my age and I'm still pretty young so it's crazy how much there's still a lot of progress to go, but in, you know, since I've been a part of the industry and, and grown up, we have seen a lot of change. So nowadays, like Leah Hextall for me is like the voice for, she's done a lot of, or she was the first female to do a National Hockey League game, but she just wrapped up the NCAA Frozen Four finals. So she's someone in terms of my career and my admirable development. She's someone I watch like a lot because she's, she's done it. She's been there and she's still learning and still, still growing. So I really admire that. And she, actually called me Saturday night before the Sunday game it like out of the blue and I couldn't believe it and we spoke for like 45 minutes so as I'm trying to like digest her advice I'm like it's Leah Hexo holy crap so it was crazy and I'm just so grateful for her for understanding where my head was at because she had been there at the National Hockey League level and I was just doing major junior but she was you know acknowledging that this is a big step for for women and what this means moving forward, especially at the Canadian Hockey League level. So, so grateful. And there's so many strong women out there and it's great to see and and great to have people telling our stories because that's important, you know? Definitely. And it's always, it's always great to be first, you know, but it's important that you pave the way so you're not the last, you know, and you do a good job so that you create opportunities for others. Yeah. Like that was kind of something you know, after I got my footing and understood how this whole crazy industry works and we're in, you know, on a community channel level, you know, I I saw a need to tell more female athlete stories and, you know, making sure we're creating a, you know, sports content in our broadcast that are diverse and there is inclusivity. (laughs) So, you know, I tried to take it upon myself to bring more diverse voices over the past year. And we had a show like our International Women's Day female basketball championship for nc and nssaf everything's blurring for (laughs) high school women's basketball we had an all-female broadcast team and director so that was huge for local sports coverage to have two chicks on the microphone and have a director in the chair because that's an even harder position to do so that was a big step for us and little things like that i'm so happy to be a part of that and hopefully we'll see more change here in the maritimes so slowly but surely you know it's it's really fun 
we're very privileged in our generation, you know, in, in so many ways. Like, and I, I really try to remind myself that every day because, you know, the generations before us had so many challenges, you know, from the obvious ones, like, you know, the world wars and the recessions and all that, but like the lack of privilege and opportunities and like things that globalization and stuff has uh, provided for us is unbelievable. You know, I know. And I think, I think it's exciting that we're a generation that is eager to learn, eager to change. We have an open <laughs> ear for the most part. We're, we're <laughs> certainly a more adaptable generation. And I think another thing, like you were saying, I think what we've also learned is that a lot can change with consumerism, like what we choose to buy, what we choose to watch, you know, corporations are listening. And I think that's something that we can really harness and like move forward with. And yeah. Like you said, it's exciting. Like we're, we are a very, I think, critical, critical generation to, you know, shape the future and the youngsters. Definitely. And it's important that us people in, in sports really know that like it, it, we have a big part to play, especially knowing that a lot of our audiences, you know, the youth who are aspiring to be in our positions and in our roles. Like, like recently, I don't know if you uh, read or heard that, um, one of my biggest heroes, actually, the guy who made me fall in love with soccer, his name is Thierry Henry. He played for France and uh, Arsenal. He won the World Cup. And he most recently, um, he coached Montreal Impact. He just recently left because he wanted to move back to Europe because he missed his family. And he said it was just, it was getting too tough. And they didn't know when the end of, was going to be near where he was going to be able to fly back and forth easily and see his family. So he's like, you know what, like, I just, I got to go back home. So he just recently decided to leave social media um, until social media companies start treating racism with the same uh, energy that they uh, break people down for copyright infringement. And he wrote this big mm-hmm. statement and he, uh, he put down all of his social media channels uh, 24 hours after. He's like, tomorrow, like it's, I'm leaving all of them until I start seeing some actual change. And people, you know, because there's been all these racism comments happening on, you know, black athletes after they lose games or they, they score an own goal or things like that, that are just sport and people are like going off on them. So he decided, you know, he's like enough is enough. And I hope we see more athletes and other people step up and really join him and pressure, you know, these social media companies. Yeah. And like, exactly. Like we choosing what we do and don't do makes these massive corporations listen so that's amazing i i didn't know that but like you said i mean twitter for example could be a total bash fest and there's so much noise on there and it's an extremely overwhelming platform and it's hard to disregard that when it is beneficial and there are great things to be hurt taken from that platform but it is also just a scary place to log into that's great for him too to publicly state that as much as he loves his job, his team, his city, families first. Exactly. And I think that's an honorable story to be told on his behalf. And at Definitely. a more grassroots level, the reason, you know, a bit a big part of why this opportunity came my way for the Quebec Major Junior game was because our full-time play-by-play guy, Kevin Northup, chose to step aside, wanted to be with his family, he wanted to be a dad full-time. He's a father first and the job that we do puts a lot on you and yeah. your schedule and your time and on the road. So he chose to step down and wanted to be a full-time dad. So to, you know, that's how that's affected me and, and some of our team and for him to, you know, express his vulnerability that like, he'll always love sports. He'll always love his job, but family means more to him is something that I think, you know, 
can get overlooked when we look at male culture. And so for him to publicly state that's huge. And he received so much support from that. And we miss him so much. But uh, he's a great father. And I'm just so proud of him. That's awesome. That's such an example as well for him. Like, I don't know how young his kids are, but to lead by example and show his kids like you guys are important. Like, I can always get another job if I need to. I can always do you know, switch around, work from home. But like, you know, you lead by example with the children and say, I'm here, I'm with you. And you mean them more than anything. Like I come from, you know, I'm, I'm a big softy. Like um, even, though, even though my my dad is the exact opposite, came from that tough generation. I'm, I'm a mama's boy. And, you know, anyone who knows me knows, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I've been known to cry, not only over like, you know, injuries or anything, but you know, I was a big OC fan, you know, like, there's... <laughs> did you know they were coming out with like Rachel Bilson starting a podcast about that, where they're going to rewatch episodes? What? I'm, I'm, Just so you know. <laughs> especially because she was my favorite. She was by far my favorite. <laughs> but yeah, Bye. I think like that Tosket masculinity where, you know, guys are, you know, more comfortable to shed that line and be honest and be themselves. And like, that's so sweet that you're someone who's open about that and you're not afraid to, you know, speak how you feel. That's so awesome and admirable. It's, it's, it's important, right? Like I, I'm, I'm so happy to see the change. Like I have three sisters and, you know, they, they're really important to, you know, allowing me to have that opinion and reinforcing that, like you're you and don't let any other, the, the bro code or any of that change and like you know it's it's nice to see even my friends take on when you know we're saying we love you more often like my buddy just texted me today you know we haven't seen each other a couple weeks like i love you bro let's hang out soon like like i love that you know i wish more guys did that because it's a whole nother level of a relationship where people who don't you know allow themselves to be vulnerable like that and express that they don't realize what they're missing it's important to process your emotions like you're not too tough for your emotions and for what's happening in your external environment. And people think, you know, you can toughen it out and suppress it, suppress it, suppress it. And I think we can all probably learn that that doesn't do anyone any good. And so it's great to see people work through their emotions and like show affection. And yeah, because I grew up, you know, definitely rub some dirt on it, shut up, do the drill again mindset. So for me, (laughs) understanding that taking things slow or if I'm hurt to sit out are okay things to do and to speak up if you're uncomfortable or speak up if something hurts or you're not feeling right. So mm-hmm. learned emotions. So it's great that hopefully, you know, when I have kids that I can raise them in a way where they can speak their honest opinions, showcase their emotions, because that's so important. It makes, makes the world go around a little bit better when uh, people can be a little more honest definitely definitely growing playing hockey and like in college and stuff because you know recently there's been a lot of um let's say incidents in the you know college uh, world for women's hockey you know dal had the incident with the hazing and all that and there's been a lot of culture conversations about you know have they picked up too many bad habits from the men's game and you know i don't know did you ever go through anything like that yourself in college or when I first came into the league, Dow had that incident. So they actually weren't in my first year at Mount Allison because that whole hazing thing happened. I still don't know mm. really what happened that day. You know, I think the women's game obviously is, is you know, the nature of hockey is a tough sport. It, the women who choose to play the game are going to be a little tougher. They're going to be not afraid to get dirty and, you know, get in the corners and, and fall over and things like that. So it definitely brings over a certain type of player and competitor. 
what's great about the women's game I find is that I think everyone could say that about their own sport it's such a big family you know what I mean like the sport community itself is a family and I think the women's hockey community is an even bigger one and as we continue to advocate for a sustainable professional league one day it's really bringing everyone together more than ever I really think that we compare too much um I think it's something in culture we have to stop doing as much because there's sometimes no need for comparisons like for instance this whole thing that um you know the female hockey players are picking up bad habits from men it's like there's a lot of similarities in the women who are playing hockey and the men who are playing hockey like it's not necessarily a oh they're doing it because they picked it up for men it's like some women are just as competitive and just as you know just as excited to you know hit each other and 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 you know celebrate that and not not hide that and be the typical feminine you know like I'm wearing makeup and I'm going to be cute and all that like you know and I think by comparing people are like oh like that's not your average female but sometimes that is an average female like I grew up with sisters who were athletic and you know were fun but they could you know also put on makeup if they wanted to yeah and I think that the, when we look at how they choose to like market the game for the most part companies want the pretty female athlete the girl that's like has the sex appeal so there's still issues there when I think of an everyday hockey player you know it's too bad we don't see all sizes all you know all colors it you know they still when we look at when we open an ad or something for the most part and who they choose to team up with they are still selecting like the pretty pretty girls and so that's an issue in itself and like yeah, that's like a whole other ball game, but one thing that's good to see and change in that world. I don't know if you saw um, in the new the Space Jam movie, they, ha- they have the the rabbit that was in the first one was um, the girl that was super sexualized and everything. I don't know if you remember it, but in this one, they they meet, they do not sexualize her at all. Like she's wearing like um, baggy shorts and like slouchy like shirt and like they did it on intentionally so that like you know because that's not a part of the thing it's like she can just be a basketball player a female basketball player and she doesn't have to be sexualized for it to be you know that role and for people to always see that as a girl basketball player you also have to be sexy it's like no yeah and like even when we look at female sports coverage like they still talk about it like it's some novelty and you know when we look at sports coverage for you know the Isabel Cup recently um was back in action so they're able to crown a winner but why aren't we just talking about like the game? Why do we still have to bring over this novelty of like, will the will women's professional hockey ever happen? And then the last statement is like the score. And it's like, yeah. can we also just cover it like the game that it is? So there's still yeah. this like normalized. You know, yeah. So it's a it's a long process, but it's exciting for, you know, as we see more you know, the WNBA is such a leader for hopeful female sports leagues and getting compensation properly. So hopefully we'll see that happen more. Women's hockey is hopefully in the running for maybe that sometime in the future, but uh, still a lot more progress to happen before that. Definitely, definitely. But there's a saying growing up that I, I forget where it came from, but you know, they say progress is a slow process, unfortunately. Mm. And I think you and I can both, you know, we've probably seen firsthand sports in itself is a slow moving Mm-hmm. place when it comes for change and it, it can be hard sometimes and you know hockey in itself can be one of those sports that are certainly a lot slower than other leagues but slowly and, and you know as long as each team 
chooses to make a difference and tries in their own way to advocate for change, you know, that's exciting. That's all we can do. I mean, you can only build one block at a time, right? And it's, it's good to have um, allies like yourself, because that's, that's what I see you, you know, we're all in this kind of struggle together to make sure that there's, there's no barriers for anybody to just make it. And people who are the most qualified and the most passionate are, are getting the opportunities and not uh, anything else really. And like about that, like, I'm just trying to think of Kim Ning, who is now the GM of which MLB team, but they commented like right after her, like second week of, uh, of being in office and taking on the role of GM, there was like an article posted about her saying she's making great changes and doing this and doing that. And it's like, Oh, you're, you're congratulating her for doing her job. So you know what I mean? There's still like little things that people forget that women are qualified and they don't, uh, they don't need or deserve this other storyline to be associated with their job and with their duties and their tasks. Definitely. It's, It's that whole thing where like, don't go to me and say that I'm coming here to help you out because you're a female or I'm coming to, you know, buy from you because you're black or I'm coming to whatever. It's like, just come because I'm good at what I do. And like, you don't really see my mm-hmm. color or that I'm a male or a female. Just, I'm just good at what I do and you're here to support. And you're just, that's a big enough message in itself. Yeah. And like, I think back to when I first started at East Lincoln. I was the host of the Moosehead, so I would do intermission interviews at the Scotiabank Center, and I had to make sure I was, I had my microphone in my hand while I was walking about the rink or mm. being in the press box area, because I was the only female and I was young, so I looked like, a, a you know, someone who works at the Scotiabank Center, not someone who is a part of the <laughs> broadcast team, so I would approach scouts and approach player development guys who are usually former NHLers and ask them for an interview. And I knew I had to make sure I had my microphone in my hand and I had to at least hold a conversation with like, with them for at least like two to three minutes before they would take me seriously. And I'm not just some like fluff who's there just to like, I don't know, waste their time. So that was a constant barrier I found when I first started and it's getting better. And, you know, now the whole role change with now being a voice of a game is an even step up and everyone's been, been really supportive, but it was a long road to get to this, <laughs> this opportunity. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But I mean, everything that's worth it, you, you do have to earn it, right? Like, I'm, I'm a big believer that if it was easy, you know, somebody would already have done it and you wouldn't be the first today. So there's, there's a lot of kudos to you for, you know, for putting in the work and taking the opportunity and making sure that you're doing it right. So that you're not, um, the, you know, you're the first, but you're not the last and that you create opportunities for others. So, you know, I can't say, uh, can't say thank you enough for what you've done and um you know hopefully there's more barriers you're going to continue to break and you know glass ceilings that you're going to shatter thanks man (laughs) (laughs) um so what was if you had any your favorite drink at the waters day that day hmm uh i can see the pop-up tent i think it was an on-site cider okay there was a pop-up we had, I believe, no boats on a Sunday. Oh, no uh, boats. Yeah. No boats. And I actually knew the guy working the booth. He was a Mount A grad. It was cool. <laughs> that is the beauty of Halifax. I love how just, you know, it's it's big and there's opportunities, but it's small. Like you can meet people like that. Like you're like, hey, man, I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful day. I can't remember who they were playing. I think they won one nil. 
See, I don't really remember, but I had a great time. One nail, great time. So was it sunny? Yeah, it was a beautiful day. Was it June? Pro- yeah, probably. It was our off season. So myself and Kevin Northup went and Alan April was was there doing his thing. And we've worked with him in the past. So it was good. To nice. See I know Alan April. I, I, I'm good buddies with Alan. Yeah, yeah. So we saw him running around and it was we pretty much just like stood there and took it all in because we had just gone off a huge season. Memorial Cup was in town and the Mooseheads went so far. So we were just trying to like breathe again and enjoy summer. So when we were able to go to a Wanderers game, I live right by Spring Garden and right by the Wanderers ground. So we just walked over. It was the best day. There's, you know, I encourage everyone to go and check out a game and fingers crossed, uh, you know, we'll see quite a bit of people out there this summer. I couldn't imagine handling the tickets like you've mentioned. I'm sure they're going to go like this, but. Yeah, they're going to be definitely paperless. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, that's, that's awesome. And I think it was probably the game against uh, Pacific, if my memory is right, in early June, like June 5th or 6th weekend. It was one nothing, and I believe it was a penalty, if memory serves right. Okay. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But second was, did you have any food there? Um, I did not. No. Ah, I was going to say, usually ask what's my your favorite food, because we have great offerings. Like, I don't know if you've had humble pie. We had those at the games. I remember I saw that and Kevin, we, I remember we waited in a very long line to get merchandise. Kevin bought a t-shirt. So I remember standing in that line for quite a while, but it's such a, like, it's just so well laid out and everyone is just in such a good mood. It's just a joyful experience. Definitely. Now I think the location has a lot to do that. It's so nestled nice to the public gardens, Citadel Hill. Uh, spring like spring garden road you can go down to you know dirty nelly's before and after like that march i remember them posting videos like on the march when they get to the game and i thought that was so cool and i remember i was leaving the Scotiabank center one day for something and i had caught a bit of it and saw them walking and i remember being like this is so cool like (laughs) it's all it's the best team spirit ever that's awesome you got to take in a game and uh hopefully we'll get to see you more this summer but for me, it's it's unbelievable because as somebody who's been a soccer fan since I was like, you know, three, four years old, I never thought that I'd ever get that European like feel and culture to soccer here in Halifax. But it's slowly happening and like seeing things like the march and stuff happen. Like we did a flash mob in the library one day and like we there's so many fun things that are just I never thought would happen here in the city. And being a part of it is just incredible. I feel I feel so privileged. Well, our director, Brett Smith, is a big Arsenal fan and he loves his soccer. Nice. And yeah, he spoke, he's, I'm pretty sure he's, he's a ticket holder. He, he loves the what team. What's his name? Brett Smith. Brett Smith, yes. I think I British confirm. guy. Yeah, I think I confirmed that. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his football. Like he's insane. He, you know, he was the one talking about the team like right when I got there in, when did I move here? 2019, 2018. And he's like the biggest advocate. So when Kevin and I told him we went to a game, he was like, you know, wanted all the all the juicy gossip on how our experience was. So he's such a big advocate for them. He he's a big fan, and I think that trickled down to us and and why we you know wanted to see what all the all the commotion was about. And it lives up to the expectation. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. So it's great to have you as somebody who's also working on another locals uh, with another local sports team. I guess. Uh, you know, with East Link, but you get to broadcast those Moose's games, and hopefully you'll get to do some of the uh, Thunderbirds games maybe when they return in the in the near future. And uh, I don't know if you ever got to see any of their games. 
I did. I went to a few of those as well. So that's, I love, I grew up playing lacrosse a couple of years. My brother played. So lacrosse was big in our family as well. My cousin plays at UMass and CAA girls division one. So lacrosse wow. is big in our family as well. So I went to a few of those games and they're another riot. It's like a basketball environment meets hockey. It has the physicality yeah. of hockey, but the energy and live game experience like basketball. So if anyone wants to check out the, uh, Thunderbirds as well. That's Michael's notes of what you'd expect. Another good. Oh, it's uh, amazing. I went to, I think every game, I think I missed one. Um, oh. And I'm also, you know, I made friends with their, their ticketing director, Riley. So shout out to the, my guy, Riley and, um, and the team of the Thunderbirds, because they, they put on a great product and I can't wait to see them back because like you said, the environment was incredible in terms of being like a basketball game in the sense that there's like a DJ and it's bumping they got the cheerleaders go in and like everyone's pumped up the entire time. You also got the sports, like there's hitting and like, there, I didn't even, it took me a while to learn what the rules are because there's so much you get away with. And, and there was oh, one yeah. game, I don't know if you were at the one, they were down by like eight um, and they came back and they tied it and they ended up losing in overtime. But like they were, it was like 12 to two, it was like 10 to two, and they came back and tied it 10, 10 and almost won it actually and within regulation, but hit the crossbar. And it was, Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. Like you, you could just cross check a guy and it's totally legal. It's just <laughs> insane. I don't understand. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but I know there's Nancy, a lot of great sports though. Definitely. Definitely. No, we could talk all day and uh, um, hopefully we get another chance to, to talk in the near future after you've continued to, um, like I said, break down barriers and, you know, just continue to be the great person that you are. And uh, I hope you all the success in the world. And I'm, um, like I said, happy to call you an ally. And thanks, everybody, for joining us for another episode. And uh, thanks to Kenzie for coming together from a ways as we work together for change. Yeah, sweet man. Thanks again. Thank you. Have a good night. See ya. Cheers, everyone.